Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back. We're at the end of the week. It's the weekend. And this is episode 85 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm your host. And it is always good to be here. Um, I hope you've had a fantastic week. I hope you're feeling a lot better than Prince William's probably feeling today. Um, after this, these allegations of him banging Kate's friend while she was pregnant. Um, so that's good fun. I hear all the, uh, all the women out there that... Uh, are quite endearing, are quite endeared by Prince William making excuses. Oh, it's not the first time. Who knew? Yeah, who cares? Blah, blah, blah. I just think it's funny. And I never really pay any attention to celebrity gossip, but I'm just like that fuzzy thumb looking motherfucker is cheating on his pregnant missus while she's locked up in a castle somewhere. And he's out fucking banging her mate. There you go. What are you going to do? So I hope you guys are feeling better than he is today. Because I'm sure he's uh, keeping his eyes to the floor. (laughs) Or being very, very friendly. Um, It's been a good week. It's been a very, very busy week. Um, Lots of training. Lots uh, Lots of work. Lots of training clients, lots of stuff with the family. It's been a busy old week. We got the marathon coming up this weekend, so I think we're going to stay local. Um, maybe go down and, and check that out. There's a couple people I know running it, uh, so I might go see if I can spot them out of the crowd. But it effectively puts Greenwich on lockdown. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, if we wanted to go somewhere tonight, we could, but where we live, a lot of the roads are just going to be closed off this weekend, so it's more hassle than it's worth to uh, to try to drive around. So we'll probably just stay local. If the weather's better than it is right now, maybe put the grill on, get the barbecue fired up, and just take it easy around the house. But uh, yeah, a lot, lot going on this week. And I know we did a show earlier on, spoke about some some things, but I wanted to I wanted to just talk about some some other bits that have come into the news um, in the past couple of days. And I don't think today is going to be a very long show. I just want to, I just want to briefly kind of touch on some of these issues because a lot of them are just farcical and need to be kind of looked at in the same way as not, no, they don't actually, I I take that back. I was going to say they need to be looked in the same way as this Prince William thing, but they don't. It's, it's a very different thing. It's stupidity on a much deeper level than that. And, uh, what I'm talking about, first off, what I'm talking about is Grandpa Grabby Hands, who we did an episode named after uh, Joe Biden uh, announced that he's running for president. Now, I don't know what you know about Joe Biden, but obviously a very senior political figure in America was the VP to o- for Obama uh, throughout the presidency. And, you know, he is a Washington like staple he's you know very long serving member of the political system all the way up and down it but you know he's a very senior figure and holds a lot of weight in the party but 
he also comes with a shit ton of baggage. And I know we did the show, which we called Grandpa Grabby Hands, which we talked about him and his, you know, very quote unquote tactile demeanor and way of dealing and interacting with people, which he's done a video and come out and kind of explained and he needs to be more self-aware of the times that are changing. But that's not the problem for me specifically with Joe Biden. The problem for me is he ran before, I think it was in the late 80s or something like that. And when he ran, it was later found that he was plagiarizing, I think, John F. Kennedy's speeches, like just pulling out parts of them and, and, and just duplicating them as his own. And that signifies a, a deeper issue to me, is that he's just trying to get a result and doesn't really give a fuck about how he does it. He's kind of whatever needs to be done, which is par for the course in politics, I guess. But when you're plagiarizing, it means you lack creativity as well. And you really just want to go down the easy road. So that tells me a lot about the true nature of, of Joe Biden in terms of his work ethic. But also, if you go back and you look at the Anita Hill, uh, I don't want to call it the Anita Hill trial, uh, the Anita Hill case where she testified about uh, Clarence Thomas uh sexually harassing her when Clarence Thomas was being uh, confirmed to the Supreme Court. And if you go back, I mean, it's on YouTube, you can go back and check it out. If you look at Joe Biden's comments during the Anita Hill testimony, it's, again, another real, and people change, of course. I said on the last show, you know, are you the same person you were when you were 25? Or when you were 15 or 18? No, of course not. You grow. Hopefully you grow. But he was already a grown-ass man. So he was going with the times. And he was going with the politics. And that tells me a lot about him. So I'm not really for Joe Biden. Also, he's 347 years old. So... Would he even last through the the grueling campaigning of, you know, running for president? We'll see. But he's he's older than Trump, and Trump's too fucking old. You know, Joe Biden's like 80. He's like 78 or 80, something like that. So that's not what the future of the Democratic Party would look like if I had my say. But I don't have the clout... <laughs> the influence or the inclination, <laughs> even if I did, to 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 affect that change. I don't I don't know what the inner workings of the Democratic Party are, but I know from looking at it broadly, there are a couple of candidates that I would definitely be leaning towards rather than Joe Biden. But whether or not they stand a chance of unifying the blue team as it is and the independents to go with Biden instead of Trump, well, that might be a strategy that the party go down. I've said before, I like Andrew Yang's ideas. I like Pete Buttigieg's ideas. Uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren's a bit far out there. Bernie's cool. But 
again, he's, you know, he's 117. So how much longer is Bernie going to be around? You know, you need some fortitude in your leaders. You want statesmanship, but you want fortitude as well. And I say in, in your leaders, right? Like it's, this doesn't, this only has peripheral effect on me <clears throat> and to anybody outside of the country. But America being so big and influential, it does affect us. And that's obviously why I talk about it. And it is a, you know, it is a proverbial we if we think about it, you know, more collectively. So the the candidates that I would lean towards would not be Joe Biden unless the strategy is, is that the best option to defeat Donald Trump? In which case, okay, that's something to think about and something to consider. But again, Joe Biden is old as shit. So I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I tend not to lean that way. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting, uh, it's going to be an interesting year or so. Especially because Trump now seems to be in a bit more of a panic mode. I mean, his Twitter activity over the past couple of days has been hilarious. Like just, just a tirade of garbage and completely misrepresenting what is actually in the Mueller report. And through the various news sources and journalists that I look at and, and read and, and consider viable, there's a lot. Like, there's a lot. Not, I'm not saying criminal collusion, but in terms of how he obstructed the investigation and the lies that were told and the way he directed other people to lie. And I mean, it's, it's pretty fucking obvious. It's pretty obvious. So, you know, there's calls for impeachment and, you know, people are getting all riled up and he said, I'm going to hit back with, you know, lawsuits and subpoenas and I'm never going to release my taxes. And it's just all chaos. It's just all chaos. And if nothing else, can we not agree that Donald Trump is bad for cohesiveness in any way other than when it comes to a very fringe minority? Because I would call it a fringe minority at this point. Like, I don't think he's got a great approval rating. I don't think he's got a great deal of broad support. I think he's got a very specific type of support that are going to stay with him no matter what. But I think everybody else is really on the fence. And if not, they're climbing up it. If they were with him before, you got to think what he did was take a lot of people's vote who were just fed up with bullshit. Well, I think those people who are fed up with bullshit, a lot of them have buyer's remorse. And I think a lot of them are just waiting for an opportunity to say, I'm like, I fucked up. I gave it a shot. I fucked up. Because people are not seeing the benefits of anything he's doing because there aren't any. The average person in America is not like, oh, fuck, I'm feeling my pockets. The money in there is burning. It's burning a hole in my pockets with all the extra cash from these tax breaks. Now, that's coming from a lot of rich dudes. But the average person's not saying a goddamn thing about that. 
So they're not seeing the benefits. He's tried to he's tried to assault their their healthcare or what semblance of a healthcare system they have. People are not happy about that. Once you give people something, they do not want you to take it away. And people have started getting used to the to the ACA. So, you know, people haven't looked at America this unfavor unfavorably from the outside in I don't know how long. America, no matter who the president has been, good, bad, or indifferent, even when like the Bushes were in, it was, yeah, but America still stands as like, you know, the pinnacle of what you kind of want to achieve as a society. That dream was still there. And I think this current administration has just shattered it. You know, and then you keep your eye out because when you see things like this and then you see things like Benjamin Netanyahu going to name a settlement in Donald Trump's honor because he's publicly recognized and officially recognized that that is Israel's territory, not Syria's territory. These Golan Heights is what I'm talking about. The Golan Settlement or something like that. I think, I think I've got the name right. But you got to think. It's in the name, guys. It's a settlement. It's not Israel. It's an Israeli settlement. And yeah, they won it in a war. Or they claimed it in a war. But that's how we've got our current situation of Palestinians being subjugated like third-class citizens. It's, it's mind-boggling. So you see these attachments, right, and these connection points, and you see what people's motivations are. I mean, you see Vladimir Putin meeting with Kim Jong-un, right? And you think, oh, okay, well, what's going to get done here? And truthfully, it's going to be a whole lot of nothing. It's a photo opportunity that qualifies them both in different ways as not needing America. That's really what that was about. They exchanged weapons as gifts. I mean, come on. But they're trying to say, look, Russia's still at the table and they're impacting what's being discussed on the Korean Peninsula. And, you know, Kim Jong-un is turning around and saying, look, at we're talking to North Korea about political security, military uh, security, you know, things like this, trade and economic assistance, so we don't need America. But everybody knows it's bullshit. So it's just for the cameras and just for each other, right? You see these alliances and you can kind of piece together some of what's going on and it's just gross. It's just gross. And going back into the Mueller thing, it symbolizes a pattern of behavior across politics as a whole, for sure. But more specifically with people who look to dominate in a strongman fashion. These are not the actions of a, of a person or people who have their country's best interests at heart. This, is, this symbolizes what megalomaniacs want to do. It's just about me. It's about what makes me better. I gotta, I gotta feel my desires. 
And that's all this is now for Trump. He's just fighting and fighting and fighting, just keeping the wolves at bay because he knows how much he's exposed. He knows what the Mueller report has because he did it and he orchestrated it, guaranteed. So now it's just a tick-tock, right? It's just a bit of a waiting game. But th this Israel settlement renaming is hilarious that people are not saying anything about it other than what's happening. But they're not putting any context to it. And meanwhile, they're still subjugating the Palestinians. And when anybody in America says anything about it, they're called anti-Semitic, including Ilha uh, Omar, Ilan Omar. I mean, the attack she suffers is horseshit. And speaking of that, speaking of attacks, especially on Twitter, you've got this little girl that we mentioned that's a climate activist. Um, she's Swedish or German, German, I think. She's 16. She's got Asperger's. Um, Greta, I believe her name is. You've got these sick pricks on Twitter saying, can somebody get her on Andrew Marr so he can tear her apart and we can see her melt down on national television? You got women, adult women, who are coming on Twitter and saying shit like this. You got grown men who are public figures coming out and saying shit like this. Asking for her downfall. A 16-year-old kid with Asperger's who only wants to make a point about what's going on with the climate. Boris Johnson, for Christ's sakes, has come out and said, how, how much longer do we have to listen to children tell us what we have to do? How about until you start fucking doing something about it? How about not leading us down a rabbit hole of dog shit and then pretending like you weren't leading? Or at least leading from the back by telling us, yeah, go a little deeper. It'll get, it'll get much better. And now he's setting up to be the next PM. Get the fuck out of here, Boris Johnson. You vote for Boris Johnson or anybody else that had anything to do with lying about what Brexit meant for us and how it was going to go down. You should look at a brick wall from about three inches away and repeatedly smash your head into it. Because you're an idiot. If you can't see through the politics at this point in time with how broken and disheveled it is and how blatantly corrupt and obviously dysfunctional it is and you still go and put your name and X beside someone like that, beat your head off a wall. Face the wall and smash it repeatedly. We got nothing going on in this country to really deal with the social ills of this country. And that's why I think we need like a new face like I've been calling for over the last few shows. Really need a new face of politics a younger face, a more representative face, because, like, we got a knife crime problem in this country. No doubt about it. It's up 6%, right, in year-on-year -year stats. This is the report that came out. Almost 41,000 incidents, not including Greater Manchester for some reason, stated this report. I mean, 41,000? 
you have to take the investigation to the root of this problem. And I'm sorry if it sounds harsh, but you have to put a gender and you have to put a, you have, let's put it this way. You have to put an accurate, you have to put an accurate scenario together of what this problem is, where it's occurring, who it's occurring with, because until you honestly do that, you are not going to get to the problem. You're going to skim around the edges of it and not actually do what needs to be done to solve the problem. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean a whole bunch of things like ground up community building. I mean police action, support, funding, and I mean things like stop and searches. And I mean things like parental accountability. And I mean things like <clears throat> being real with ourselves about what this problem is. And there's been some people out there that have mentioned some really interesting points from the black community, from, you know, from the local London communities. It's, you know, some really, some really interesting advice. And what this takes is a comprehensive plan of action. But until you actually remove the thing that's doing the damage, you're not going to get to the problem. And in order to do that, you have to have some harsh parameters in place. So I am all for stopping a search uh, mechanism protocol to be put in place by the police, which I believe is in some instances. But to pretend like this isn't a... a, a a primarily socioeconomic and black problem would be ignorant to ignore. It is not solely that, but it is for the majority that. And I'm not saying anything that doesn't bear out in the statistics. So we identify the problem in terms of where it's happening and who it's happening to. And then we look back in terms of what's leading to this. And we're talking everything from the decriminalization of uh, marijuana and other drugs to the issue around social housing to the cost of property to, you, you, like, we got to look at everything. It's going to take a comprehensive look into the socioeconomic issues affecting the community that is being plagued by this problem. What's happening and what you see on the news with, you know, a 25-year-old white man stabbed outside a comedy club in Greenwich is a peripheral symptom of the problem. That's not the root of the problem. The problem is you've got 13 to 18 year old kids, predominantly black, running around with fuck all to do and no homes to go to and no guidance to, to be found, getting into gang culture and wiling out on hormones and whatever fucking else they're doing and taking. 
I don't want to put this down to a symptom of like to uh to the problem of boredom, but you got to give these kids something to do. You got to find a way to make them accountable for their actions and 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 give them ways to channel their energy. Because right now they're just out there looking for anything, so they gravitate to the streets. It's not a new problem. My water tastes particularly disgusting today. Ugh. But we cannot have this continuing to rise. And we cannot have the black community in this country tearing itself to bits at the youth, you know, because of socioeconomic issues and because of all of these root cause problems. And we can't live in fear of peripheral damage caused by that issue. Like walking home from the grocery store, getting stabbed by a fucking, a kid on a moped. Like you can't, like this can't, it's not tenable. And we're better than this. And I, maybe I didn't propose a solution there, but maybe I kind of did. I don't know. But the fact that nobody's looking at this until these like annual reports come out. Or until, you know, 10 people are killed over a weekend. I mean, it's a problem. Like, it needs addressing. Um, anyways, can, keeping with problems that can be solved, I want to talk about the measles outbreak. Because in the UK alone, it's quadrupled in the last year. Now, I don't blame this on solely the same problem I blame the rise in America of measles on. That's more of a, <clears throat> that's more of a, an idiocracy that's based on like hearing celebrities not vaccinate their kids. So they're like, oh, maybe I'll give that a shot because I don't want my kid to be autistic because people like Jenny McCarthy turn around and say vaccines give their, gave their kid autism. You know, just stupid fucking claims from, you know, wannabe actors and ex-playboy models. Like, why would you listen to somebody like that? Or anybody that's not a goddamn doctor. Like, there's a reason we don't have smallpox and measles and, you know, diphtheria and rubella. Like, there's a reason we have we don't have these things anymore. It's because people get fucking vaccinated from them. I'm not saying you have to take every vaccination out there, but you got to take the main ones, especially as children, man, because children are so susceptible to catching infection. So when something as highly contagious as measles breaks out, if you're one of the parents in the UK, which seems to be the symptom of not being able to make it to the doctors, which is fucking incompetent when it comes to the protection of your children... This sort of thing is just unacceptable for a four times increase in a year of measles. If I needed another reason not to have kids, there you go. Because there's parents out there that are stupid enough and irresponsible enough not to get their children and their infant children vaccinated. Like I said, in America, this is like more of like a cosmetic thing, right? It's like a fad thing that people are going through, like the anti-vaccination movement. It's like the flat earthers and shit like that. This conspiracy theory that if you give your kids um, vaccines, they're going to end up sick. <clears throat> this is nuts. And I talked about this in a show a while ago. But like, of course, if you 
vaccinate every single person, you're going to have some bad reactions, even at a 1% tick. Even at a half a percent tick, you're going to have, you know, a high number of people that may have adverse effects to these vaccines, of course. But we have to look at the greater good in terms of what these things stop, what these vaccines stop. Getting, leaving your kid unvaccinated is, is an, it's unacceptable. It borders criminality and negligence to me. So... The, the problem in the UK seems to be like an awareness thing. Oh, my kid hasn't been sick, so I haven't taken them to the doctors to get their vaccinations. So maybe in something in the process there with how the, you know, the NHS and the doctors communicate with their patients when they've got young children to make them, you know, more aware that now's the time you need to be giving your kids this treatment. Like, hurry up. You can't delay anymore. You know, maybe there's a, a penalty attached to that with the kid's school and some sort of a technological connection that says, oh, the kid hasn't been vaccinated, therefore they can't come to school anymore until they are. But just to be an ignorant fucking parent that's not got the time to remember to go down and get their kids shot is unacceptable. And those people that are taking it as a conspiracy theory, I'm actively not going to vaccinate my kids because I know it's going to give them, you know, autism. Those people should be fucking charged. Because they're stupid, ignorant, and dangerous. But to have a 4% increase in this country is just another reason for me to not want to put, like, have kids and put them into the system. You know what I mean? Like the school system and things like that. You don't know what kind of home these kids are coming from and what kind of idiots their parents are. It's just, it's, it's insane to me that this is even, that this is even an issue in this day and age. But there you go. Speaking of things that are unbelievable in this day and age is what's happened this week in Saudi Arabia. And the fact that we've just kind of brushed over the fact that they publicly executed 37 people. Most of them who were just dissenters and protesters. I mean, we're aligned with these people politically, with this government politically. And they have a lot of influence with both the UK and the US governments. And we do nothing to hold them account. We did nothing to hold them account to the um, Khashoggi murder, which, I mean, do you need the guy on tape? Do you need MBS on tape saying, yeah, I gave the orders to do that? And now they just go ahead and publicly execute almost 40 people for not agreeing with their policies and wanting to enact a change in the country. And we just, we don't do anything about it. We don't, we don't say anything. There's, you know, there's no fucking news on it. It's not on the cycle. Like nobody's touching it. It's like, how come? In 2019, we can stand by and do business with people who do this kind of behavior to the citizens. You know, I know Trump hasn't fulfilled his 800 million dollar or whatever it is uh, arms deal with Saudi Arabia but the fact that they're even connected that closely you know 
And I know it's a legacy relationship, but Jesus Christ, man, is there any is there any accountability at the upper levels of this world that we live in? Because it's they're not even hiding it. The shit's just like, yeah, it's cool. New cycle will be on, moved on tomorrow, so you know, the collective memory will be zapped and refreshed, and nobody will, nobody will remember anything. You know, it's it's nuts. There's no accountability. There's no accountability. And even if you start the process of accountability with people like, you know, top government officials or hugely, you know, wealthy people and corporations, the process takes so long and the outcome is so minimal that it's kind of pointless anyways. You know, it's it's the it's the giving Facebook a million dollar fine issue. The penalty does not outweigh the benefits of committing the crime in the first place so why would we stop if you're going to fine me a hundred dollars but because of what i'm doing i'm making a hundred thousand dollars i am going to continue to do it because you can find me as much as you fucking like there's no accountability to the people that need the most accountability and that definitely needs to shift So anyways, um, right. So that's, those are basically what I, the things that I wanted to talk about. And we're only like a half an hour in, which is fine because I said up front, this is going to be a short episode, but what I wanted to do was just finish off the week by, because <clears throat> this is going to come out on Saturday, right? It's Friday night now. So probably Saturday afternoon, this will probably come out. Um, but I wanted to just take a couple of minutes to just talk about give a shout out to those people and we talk about it sometimes just in in regards to you know keeping it keeping it moving and on on the last show <clears throat> i mentioned a friend of mine who i work with that's doing stand up that i went to see earlier in the week and just that drive and that passion to stay on course with what you're trying to do and and these goals that you have and goal setting and then goal achievement and it's really humbling to see other people getting on this path because it keeps me focused on what I'm trying to do as well. And it goes similarly with this little, uh, this climate activist, uh, 16, this Greta, you know, people like this who just know their purpose and they see it and they go for it. And I was later in life for me to find this, but I really think that now I'm, I'm really getting things dialed in where it is cemented in my lifestyle that this is who I am and this is where I'm where I'm supposed to be heading just keep following this path and you'll get to where you're supposed to go and you know it as hindsight is 2020 I wish I could go back and start this process 15 years ago and what a different you know what a different path it may have taken me down I don't know but I'm either way I'm just I'm glad to be here now doing this doing what I'm doing, living the life that I'm living and continuing to try to build and improve on that. And for anybody out there that's finding this journey that they're on, that they've just started or anything like that, tough and full of adversity, just know that that is part of it. That's what makes it good when you come out the other side and get a bit of breathing room before you charge back up the next hill to achieve the next you know, plateau, like to, to go to the next level of where you're trying to go. It's, it's really about that. You're pushing boulders uphill. This is not a straight line. 
and a flat surface from point A to success or achievement. It's ongoing and it looks more like a heartbeat than it does, you know, someone who's flatlined. It's not like that. And if you're finding it, if you're finding it tough, if you're struggling through, just just know that there's others on that journey that are still that maybe farther ahead in that journey that are still experiencing these ups and downs because the ups and downs don't stop. The low is actually not to be looked at as a low. It's look it's it should be looked at as the plateau that you've reached. And if you think about it rather in that perspective rather than as a low then the trajectory that you're drawing for yourself is always uphill because you started at the lowest point, which let's say that's now. Well, as soon as you get your ass up and get out the door, you're up another level. Then when you've been doing it for a week, you step up another level. <coughs> and as you progress, those weak plateaus those week-long plateaus become month-long plateaus, become six-month plateaus, become annual plateaus. Because it's going to take, it's you know, you're going to go up, you're going to go up, you're going to go up. But it's going to take you, as you progress and become a better version of yourself, the next plateau is going to take more work to get you there. It's going to take more focus, more dedication to get you there. But don't look at it like you're in a low. Look at it like you're sitting on the top of the plateau that you've just reached and that you're continuing to climb rather than climbing to fall down, to climb to fall down. Don't look at it like that. Look at it as an upward motion that is done in stages. And if you can see it from that perspective, you'll know that every time you make the effort and every time you stay on track, you are one step closer to getting to another plateau. And that creates momentum. And if we get momentum behind us, then we become unstoppable. The things we're trying to accomplish become non-negotiable. And when we get into that mindset, some people might call it selfish. Some people might call it dedicated. I choose the latter and add it with focus. And when you find that focus and that dedication, then you reach another level. Because then it becomes embedded in your lifestyle. Then it becomes just who you are. You're not living a, a persona that you're trying to become. Or you're not living a thing that you're trying to become. You're recognizing yourself as becoming that thing. And that's a form of self-actualization. And when you have that level of consciousness because you've put in the work. And maintained the focus and understood the goal. Then... It's a form of enlightenment. And you can start to live the best version of yourself. You start to achieve the best version of yourself. And that's the path that we should all be on because why would we be on any other path? But I just wanted to let you guys know that I, I've been through the struggles. I've slipped off. I've you know kind of fallen back, picked myself up, dusted myself off, continue to go forward. So if anybody's finding it difficult, hard to get out of bed, struggling with injuries, you know, sickness, whatever it may be, relationship troubles, work problems, 
know that if you maintain positivity, have a dedicated focus, and are persistent in the pursuit of what that goal is, you will get there and things will get better. You're always going to have problems, but look at it like you're always resting on the plateau that you just climbed and achieved rather than the hill that you fell down and the hole that you're now in that you have to pull yourself out on. I don't like that analogy. I like the steps analogy. We're out there. We know the struggle. We feel you. So if you're going through it, know we are going through it too. But the difference is we continue to persist when others decide that's enough. I won't do this anymore. I'll go back to the old way I was. I'll go back to the old me. That was easier. It's easier to have a lion. It's easier to pick bad food choices. It's easier to be lazy. It's easier to argue with people. It's easier to look at the world as why me, woe is me. Instead of taking accountability and ownership for the issues that you face, the ones that you help create, the ones that you perpetuate or refuse to address, stay focused. Have some accountability. Know that you're on this journey for a reason and that if you continue, you will get through to the other side. That's just another plateau. This is a lifestyle. We continue to work. We continue to move forward, continue to stay positive. Because we're never done growing. And that's the whole entire point. We should always be thriving for a little bit more of ourselves. That's not selfish. That's kind, being kind to yourself. So be kind to yourself. It makes it so much easier to be kind to everybody else around you and strangers that you meet and the energy that you have and the vitality that you feel. So stay on that path. And that's it. We're done. So this is a episode 85. I can't believe we've done 85 episodes. We will be at 100 soon, God damn it. Um, guys, have a great weekend. And if you haven't subscribed already, check us out on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and on iTunes, uh, Quiet Part Loud. Uh, all the new episodes go up there. And you can always check us out on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed as well, which is actually becoming a little bit more active. So check that out. Um, but we'll be back next week. I hope you guys have a great weekend. And yeah, we'll leave it there. Thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, all the best.